we always have a choice. Every single one of us, because each one of us will face something terrible. To us, each one of us will face something that we just wish we could—I don't know—stay in bed, hide from. We'll all face that, but that's when it's time for us to make our choice. That's Elizabeth Smart, and this is. The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Wednesday. I am grateful for you tuning in with me today as we have a new featured speaker, author, and activist, Elizabeth Smart, on the show. And I'm not sure if you've heard of Elizabeth Smart. The name may ring a bell. But she is the survivor of being kidnapped from her home when she was a teenager. She was kidnapped. She was held hostage and endured some unimaginable things. And uh, nine months later, she was found and her capturers were imprisoned. And then she was reunited with her family. And since then, she has done some incredible work related to childhood abduction and In doing some research after I found today's clip, what I got from her was this incredible resilience and post-traumatic growth to turn what happened to her into her life's work to help others who have been through similar situations and to prevent things like this from happening to our future generation. She is just um, just truly amazing. In one of the interviews I, I watched, she actually said that she never allowed what happened to her to stand in the way of trying to make the world a better place. So she is, in my opinion, an example of what it means to turn trauma into triumph. And I just hope that this clip inspires you to to feel the same for any of your own life circumstances, that you have the ability to turn what has negatively impacted your life into something positive. So I'll leave it at that. And we'll jump right into today's clip with Elizabeth Smart. Enjoy. I remember as I was a 14-year-old girl, I wasn't anything out of the ordinary. I was pretty shy. I was excited to finish junior high, excited to go to high school. And then my life changed in a way I could never imagine. I remember going to bed one night, just like I always did. And the next thing, I remember hearing a voice, a man's voice a voice I didn't recognize. I remember the voice saying, I have a knife at your neck. Don't make a sound. Get up and come with me. Now, up until that moment, I really didn't know what fear was. I didn't really know what being scared was. I mean, my biggest scare at that moment was, I don't know, failing my math test or... My parents catching me watch TV when they told me not to. 
I mean, those were what my biggest scares were. So when this man was standing over me with a knife, I was petrified. I couldn't believe how would this happen? How would this happen to me? I mean, I was nobody. I remember him grabbing hold of my wrist and pulling me out of bed. I remember immediately jumping up and doing exactly as he said. I remember him leading me out through my house, up into the mountains behind my house. I remember along the way stopping him saying, if you're just going to rape and kill me, would you please do it here? Because I wanted my family to know what happened. I wanted them to know that I hadn't run away. I wasn't upset with them. I wasn't rebelling. I wanted them to know what had happened. I remember he stopped and he looked at me and he smiled and he said, I'm not going to rape and kill you yet. And then we kept going. I remember we went a ways further and I stopped him again and I said, well, don't you realize what you're doing? If you get caught, you will spend the rest of your life in prison. Please let me go. If you let me go, my family won't press any charges. Well, he looked at me again, and he smiled, and he said, I know exactly what I'm doing, and I know what the consequences are. The only difference is, I'm not going to get caught. I remember we went on so far, we crossed right over the top of the mountain, and we started down the other side. We were probably only a quarter of the way down the other side when we walked into a grove of trees, and there I saw that Part of the mountain had been leveled out, and there was a tent set up. Outside of the tent, there were tarps lying on the ground and tarps hanging in the trees. But the scariest sight of all about this entire camp, it wasn't the tent, it wasn't the tarps, it wasn't the dugout behind the tents. It was the woman that walked out of the tent. She came up to me, and the first thing she did was she hugged me. In this moment, you'd almost think that being hugged would be a comforting thing, would be something that would be nice to have. I mean, the scariest thing of my life had just happened to me. You would think a hug would be nice, but it wasn't. I mean, if hugs could speak, this hug would have said, you're nothing, you're mine, and you'll do exactly what I tell you to do, because if you don't, I have no problem killing you. I remember she brought me inside the tent and sat me down on a bucket where she forced me into robes, forced me to take off my pajamas, and then she left. And I remember the man walking back in, and he had changed out of his dark clothes into a robe, just like the one I'd been forced to put on. And he came over, and he knelt down next to me. And then he started to speak. I was so scared and worried. How had this happened? Why was this happening? That I couldn't even begin to listen to what he was saying. But then somehow, I caught the last sentence. Somehow I was able to pull myself together. And I heard him say, I hereby seal you to me as my wife before God and his angels as my witnesses. I don't know. Maybe I just grew up watching too many happily ever after Disney movies. But this was not how I envisioned getting married or my happily ever after. This was anything but that. I remember screaming out no, and he looked at me and he said, if you ever scream out like that again, I will kill you. I remember 
telling him I wouldn't scream out, but I started to beg and plead and do everything I could to hold him off. Didn't have to be forever, just long enough. Nothing worked though. The more I tried, the more it just seemed to encourage him. I remember he finally grabbed hold of me and forced me onto the ground where he ripped off the robe I had just been forced to put on and then he raped me on the floor of the tent. Then he got up and he looked down at me and smiled, turned around and walked out of the tent. I will never ever forget how I felt lying on the ground. I felt so broken and so filthy. Who could ever love me? Who could ever want anything to do with me ever again? How could my family want me back? I ended up falling asleep, and when I woke up, there was this man kneeling over me, and he had a thick metal cable that he was wrapping around my ankle and bolting into place so I couldn't run away. I realized then that I wasn't going to be able to escape anytime soon. I realized that everything he had done, he had done because he planned on keeping me for a very long time. I started to think of all the other children's stories I'd seen on the news who had disappeared, how a search was put on, and eventually, maybe it was a week later, maybe it was months later, but eventually their body would be found, and the child would, well they would always be dead. From the body, they'd be able to tell that this child had been abused, it had been, the child had been denied food, it, they'd just been tortured, raped, and ultimately killed. I thought that's what was going to happen to me. I mean, maybe just on a bigger, more long-term kind of scale. And as I sat there thinking about the children, I thought, wow, they're so lucky. They're so lucky they're dead right now because nobody will be able to hurt them. Nobody will ever be able to make them feel bad or feel like they're worthless. I wish I could be one of them. I remember as I sat there, I started to think about my family and wondered if they'd love me, if they'd want me back. And then I remembered my mom telling me that she would love me no matter what. She would always be there for me. She may not always like what I do or like my decisions, but that she would always love me and nothing could ever change that. And as I sat on that mountainside thinking about it, I realized that she was right. I realized that my dad would always love me. My family would always be there for me no matter what. So because I had something that nobody could take from me, that nobody could change, that would never die, I made the decision that I would do whatever it took to survive. Didn't matter what, I'd do it. But somehow, I would survive. And I can't say that I always had this bright, bright hope that somehow I'd live. There were days when I would have rather died but somehow that day would pass, and eventually I did make it home. I'll never forget the day that I was surrounded by policemen with my two captors when we were walking down State Street in Salt Lake. I will never forget when they put them into the back of their police car and separated me after I told them that I was Elizabeth Smart. I remember being brought to the police station where I was brought into a tiny little room, and I thought 
I thought I was going to jail, actually, because they hadn't said anything to me. I kept thinking, well, don't I get a phone call? Don't I get something? Isn't that protocol? Isn't that my right? And then I started to think, well, you know, all things considered, prison doesn't actually sound that bad compared with where I've been the last nine months. I remember it was right about that moment that the door came flying open and my dad came running into the room. And he just swooped me up in the biggest hug you can imagine. And it was in that moment that I knew that nobody would ever be able to hurt me ever again because my dad was there. And he'd never abandoned me. He'd always loved me. And whatever lay in front of me, it'd be okay. It'd be okay. I remember seeing my mom again for the first time and my brothers and my sisters. And if I had to describe heaven or tell you how I imagine heaven, that's how I imagine heaven. That moment, being surrounded by the people who love you the very most, knowing that nobody can ever hurt you again. I remember the next morning, my mom gave me the best piece of advice that I want to share with you because it applies to every single one of us. We all have our problems. She said, Elizabeth, what this man has done to you is terrible, and there aren't words strong to describe how wicked and evil is. He has stolen nine months of your life that you will never get back. The best punishment you could ever give him is to be happy, is to follow your dreams and to do exactly what you want to do because by holding on to what's happened to you, by reliving in this pain, by refeeling and just spending the rest of your life going over the pain and everything you've lost, that's only giving him more power over your life. And he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve a single second more of your life. God is our ultimate judge. He will make up to you everything you've lost and for those who don't receive their punishment here, they'll certainly receive it there. So never, ever look back. Only go forward. I've tried to follow my mom's advice every single day of my life. I'm not perfect at it. I <laughs> definitely have my grouchy, grumpy days. And I got married about a year and a half ago. And my husband, he's adorable. He's from Scotland. And um, yes... He got married in a kilt. He has a cute accent. It's why I married him. <laughs> no, but usually he likes to take those opportunities and point out to me, oh, right, Elizabeth, you know, you're being a bit of a hypocrite when I am in those moments. And I have to admit that usually doesn't make me any happier. In fact, usually has the opposite effect. But he's so right. We always have a choice, every single one of us, because each one of us will face something terrible to us. Each one of us will face something that we just wish we could, I don't know, stay in bed, hide from. We'll all face that. But that's when it's time for us to make our choice that's when it's time for us to decide if we are going to stand up and move forward and say, yes, this is terrible, and I wish it didn't happen, but I'm not going to let it destroy me. I'm not going to let it stop me from doing what I want to do. Or we can decide to stay in bed. 
I mean, we will always have that choice. Big thanks to Elizabeth Smart for stopping by. If you'd like to connect with her, you can go to her website, elizabethsmart.com. Her Instagram is elizabeth underscore smart underscore official. And she has two books, the first being My Story, the second entitled Where There's Hope, Healing, Moving Forward, and Never Giving Up. And I got this clip from YouTube. It is entitled CIW Investigators, Elizabeth Smart, You Have a Choice. And I have all the links to connect with her and her work, as well as a link to today's entire talk. They will all be in the show description below, so you can go and check that out. All right. That is a wrap for me. I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will see you back here tomorrow. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.